Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 323 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's episode is with Chelsea, who is here to talk about her son, Tristan, and his type 1 diabetes. This is a good old-fashioned conversational episode. With no, should we say, how should I say this, current events involved. This was recorded a while ago. It's just a nice talk about life with type 1. You know, get your mind off other things. This episode of the Juicebox podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1, and you can reach them at touchedbytype1.org. It is also sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. What you're going to want to do is go to contournextone.com to learn more about the meter, the app that you can use with it, that by the way is free, and to see if you're eligible for a free meter itself. There's a button at the top of the page. You can click on to find out. You can always find out more about the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or use the links right there in the show notes of your podcast player to click on and go right to the pages you're interested in. I knew I liked Chelsea a long time before she came on the podcast. She sent me an email to tell me that my use of the word lady time to describe a period she found to be, and I quote, classy. That's when I knew I loved her. Chelsea's on the show today to talk about her son Tristan's diagnosis, the guilt she felt around it, and where they've gotten to since then. It's a nice conversation to lead us into the weekend. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Chelsea. I have two boys, Tristan, who is four and a half, and he's the type one, and Lucas, who is three. Two and a half and three. Wait, two and a half and three? Mm-hmm. Or is that what you or, just said? I meant four and a half. Maybe you said four <laughs> and a half, and I didn't hear it correctly. I was just I like, know. wow, that lady can make babies every six months. <laughs> well, I'm a teacher, and it's the very last workshop day before we're off for the summer. Oh. So <laughs> a little discombobulated. Starting to feel free in your mind. Okay, so let's go yes. again. So your son who has type one's name is Tristan. Tristan. And he is four and a half. So he's gonna be going yep. to school next year. And then Trist- Tristan's brother is Lucas. He is three. Lucas, so he's three. And he was born with club feet and we thought that was gonna be our challenge. But how <laughs> <laughs> you just are like club feet? Ha ha that's nothing. Right. <laughs> what do you do for the, the feet? Like orthopedic type shoes that help bring it back and some physical so, therapy? Yeah. A week after he was born, he had to be in shaping casts mm-hmm. uh, every week. So we had to get those changed every week. And then after about nine casts, they had to cut his, 
Achilles tendon and then recast. They would grow together again longer. And then now he's been in a night brace and he has to wear the brace until he's five. Wow. That sounds scary. Cutting his Achilles tendon must've frightened you yeah. to no end. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, I, and I sure can, it'll grow back. <laughs> I can even see, you know, you thinking like, <laughs> Hey, look, uh, you know, we just wanted to have some kids and get a dog, maybe a fire pit. I wasn't looking for a lot here. Uh, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to deal with all this. Um, can the kid learn to walk on his hands? His hands look nice and straight. I'm sure there were many things that went through your head. He could have been a circus performer yeah. if he could have walked on his hands, but now that's ruined. Um, isn't, right. that, isn't that something? And so, and when did you learn that in relationship to Tristan's diabetes? What, what came first, the diabetes or the club feet? Uh, the club feet. So, cause we knew he was going to have club feet before he was even born. Oh, okay. You could see on the ultrasound. Yep. Imaging's amazing. Okay. And so yeah. how long has Tristan had type one? Since September. Hold on, I'll count. October, yeah. November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. That's like nine months ago. Yeah. See? Okay. Yep. So um, any endo issues in the family that now you look back and go, oh, that makes sense because I have this or my aunt has that or is it right out of the Oh, board? yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, my, my mom had celiac and then just about everyone on my husband's side has disease or colitis. So. I bet he didn't bring that up on the first date. <laughs> I was like, you know where this comes from, I think. <laughs> so tell but, me something yeah. about yourself, Chelsea. I have trouble holding my food in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't come up. When does, the, by the way, not to get too far off the beaten path, right? but how far into a relationship for before someone tells you, I have Crohn's disease? Well, he doesn't actually have it. Oh, yet. it's just all over the family. So, yeah, his mom does and his uncle does he just thought he was the lucky one that got away with not having something right yeah well that's okay life has a way of paying you back for being too hopeful right <laughs> <laughs> okay so all right so tristan's diagnosed nine months ago that's not a, mm -hmm. a particularly long time ago I, where would no. you say you're at in your adjustment at nine months i feel like we're doing really good like we got it. We go to the appointments, and usually the doctor says, I was going to tell you to do this, that, and the other thing, but I can tell you've already done it. So keep doing it, I guess. Yeah. So the doctor has maybe a plan that they don't share with you every time. Like they think the next time they come in here, based on what I've seen this time, maybe I'll move them up to, I don't know, something else, another step yeah. in the process. And you get there and you've already put the step into play. Right. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because she looks at the data while we're sitting there in the room because he has his Dexcom. Mm -hmm. So they're looking at that. He says, well, I was going to tell you to adjust this, but it looks like you did that like two days ago. So. <laughs> okay. So she's looking at your graph and, mm -hmm. oh, and, and just doing what, and you're, so how did you figure out how to do it on your own? Is it just a leap you made? Did you just look at it one day and think, you know, it's going up, so I'm going to use more insulin or, or did you, I don't know, find guidance somewhere? I'm now sound like yeah a i for you to tell I, me that you like the, the podcast, podcast but that's not what yes. i was gonna say <laughs> but that's where i like yeah i figured it out like i started listening not long after diagnosis and then i was joined all the book groups of course and i was like what do these people keep saying g6 and dex and so i googled it and then i found out and 
I had never heard of Omnipod or Dexcom. I didn't know we were on MDI until I heard you say MDI on the podcast. I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing. Isn't that so, something? What What did you call it at home? Just injections or shots or? Yeah, just shots. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I called it, by the way. Just I just yeah. say MDI because that's the the right way to say it. But yeah. when Arden was doing it, she just got shots. And even people call, you know, I think the proper way to refer to the, you know, what you use to give a shot is a syringe, right? But I just call them needles because, I mean, yeah. I'm not fancy. So We um, had the pen. Pen. Yeah, I never got a pen. Didn't even get that far. Oh, geez. I have to tell you, um, last night, Arden was jumping in the shower and we were stretching her pump out to like the last second, using up every drop of insulin in it. It was working great. There was no reason to take it off. So she's like, I, I have to get in the shower now. Like I need to get to bed soon. But her pump was like dry was out of insulin. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like, can we make it through? How much is in there? And she comes back. She's like, it's done. You know, I'm done. So we went downstairs and, uh, I gave her an injection of insulin just to, you know, carry her through the shower. And we took the pump off and, you know, just deactivated the pod and sh- just injected some insulin and sent her up there. And when I was injecting it into her, I realized this, these um, syringes still have the half unit markings on them. Mm. These are the original syringes that we were given to us. I mean, the last time we got a, a prescription of syringes, Arden must have been like three and a half or four. And she's, wow. she's going to be 15 this summer. And still, when I reach for a syringe, it's from that order 10 years ago. Wow. Isn't that crazy? And there they are. Yeah. They work perfectly, by the way. Nothing wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I, that's how long it's been uh, since, you know, since uh, I bought a syringe. Um, but anyway, that's so, okay, so you go out into the world. Like, you, you go online. That's really smart, by the way. Just, it's interesting what you just said. You're like, I saw people saying Dexcom over and over again, or this over and over again. I thought, well, let me find out what that is. My wife grocery shops like that. Wherever, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> whatever food is gone, she makes the assumption people like it, and then she tries it. Yeah. <laughs> I, if the grocery store was smart, they just wouldn't fully stock the shelves, and whatever three things were left, my wife would buy. Uh, <laughs> she'd be like, people must love these. Um, yeah. Anyway, but, but that worked out pretty well for you. So you go online, just figure out what the stuff is, and then what do you do? Go to the doctor and say, hey, what, what yeah, is this? Yeah, I said, I want a desk. That sounds like a great idea. Do that. And when you, how long into the process until you got – did you get CGM first or, or – Yeah, CGM first. And how long? Then we had to get signed up for all the pump classes. Isn't that funny? There's pump classes, but there's not yeah. CGM classes. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I was like, they just let me stick this thing on my kid and it's going to stay there for 10 days. But the pump's like. <laughs> you got to go take a class, learn how to count a right. carb. Yeah, yeah. Listen yeah. to somebody say something incredibly boring for a number of hours in a, in a fluorescent lit room. Uh, and then you walk out knowing not much more than you knew before you walked in. And then they let you have right. the pump because <laughs> you passed the test. <laughs> right. So I had already learned what I wanted to because I read it all online. And apparently I felt like the only person in the class who. That I was getting there. <laughs> oh, no kidding. You think a lot of other people just came in cold and didn't find yeah. anything else online? Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? That maybe most people wouldn't think to go out in the world and dig into this like you did, maybe. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so how long after his diagnosis did you get the CGM about? About a month after. Very close. Okay, so did yeah. you have any honeymooning at all? Not that I can recall. I don't think so. Okay. What's the first thing you noticed when you put a CGM on? Um, 
I don't know. <laughs> like, what struck you first by seeing the data? Oh, I I was just fascinated. I was checking constantly, and it really annoyed my husband because he wasn't convinced that we needed any of it. Because he would pick finger pokes, you know, every time he fed him a meal, and what he'd be like, "I'm I'm doing a great job. Look at this." going on in between <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's so, the key right what what is happening that you can't see because i yeah. hear some people say like kind of the like you know i like exactly what your husband said like look how great i'm doing every time i check when they tell me to check my blood sugar is around where i want it to be mm -hmm. then they put the dexcom on and they see the moments in between and think wow that is yeah. not what i thought was happening like how did i go from 114 to 95 and in the three hours in between i was 300 for you know right. 90 minutes very, very, it's very, um, enlightening, I guess, when you, when you see it finally. Yeah. You get the CGM and a pump comes reasonably soon after that. I mean, is that how you guys have been doing it for yes, these nine months? Cause I called the pushing to get into all of the classes before the end of the year so that my insurance would cover it because we just had met our out of pocket, you know, the ambulance ride and hospital stay so <laughs> i wanted to get all i could for free right hey and people really if you're not thinking about that always be thinking about that you know it's yeah. as soon as you're you know as soon as you meet your deductible that's when it's time to be like i need stuff it's yeah you know i mean listen you're gonna pay the money one way or the other but once it's paid you know you know like can you imagine if you know the the, the calendar year rolls over and you miss by two weeks and now you're putting out your your money again right away and to get your oh pump. yeah yeah it's <laughs> so that's smart so you get that going mm -hmm. and you just think so everything's just going well like you just it's good uh no <laughs> <laughs> well it was like thinking back was diagnosed he was sent home early from his first day of preschool because he was sick mm -hmm. and then the very next day was when we brought him to the hospital but then looking back we can see signs of him having been sick for months like the whole summer long okay what, what were some of the signs that you did didn't cause you to go to a doctor well like uh he started losing weight and everyone's like well, he's just thinning out, you know, he's that age, mm -hmm. um, wetting the bed at night, which he had always done. He had never been night potty trained, so we didn't think anything of that. And drinking tons and tons of water, which it was summer, mm -hmm. so that it made was sense. Hot that makes sense, Yeah, too. And he was whiny and moody and would say he was tired and refused to do things, but he had been that way since birth. So he's <laughs> Like, this kid's <laughs> always been a jerk. This is not a medical yeah. symptom. Right, right, right. <laughs> I refuse to. And now looking back at him, wasting away. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a photo of Arden. I don't think I've ever shared online. I don't ever think I would, but she's in a diaper, and she looks like a you know like she looks like somebody I don't know uh, Mick Jagger would have dated in the seventies, and you know like she yeah. just she she's like heroin thin, and yeah, and no one thought anything of it for some reason. Just you know. I mean, she was already little. I mean, keep in mind the the difference between Arden looking incredibly thin and how she looked healthily was like you know a pound and a half. But oh, okay, it was a big deal on her. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like from nineteen down to seventeen pounds was is a huge difference. And yeah, you could see her ribs and and I just I don't know. I guess it happens slowly and you don't notice it. Yeah, and he was just constantly snacking i remember getting annoyed with him i was like just pick one thing and eat the whole thing but he would pick one thing and be like that's not satisfying me i want something else and 
Because nothing was going to satisfy him. Because, right. Yeah, because he, he had a, a primal hunger going on because of what was happening in his body. And that's right. crazy. Um, so, so, so I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint a picture in my head of him, like opening something, taking two bites of it and being like, not good enough. And then moving on to the next thing. And you just yeah. running around being like, I cannot afford to buy all this food if we're not going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Um, okay. So I, I guess, you know, when you wrote me, mm-hmm. you had a really specific ask when you wrote and you just said that you hear people's diagnosis stories and they all seem one way and yours felt yeah. so different that you, that you wanted to talk about a little bit. So what was, what was it about yours that, that made you feel that way? I guess when I started listening, the diagnosis stories I heard were parents who noticed one off thing about their child and they would think, oh, maybe it's this. Google them, bring it to the doctor, and then they were, you know, diagnosed and on their way in a matter of like a week. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I didn't for a month, like March through September, that my child was like, we kept writing it off and we didn't bring them until he started doing that Kuzmal breathing, which I had no idea what it was. Right. I brought him to the doctor thinking he had pneumonia, and she took one look at him and said, You're going downstairs to the emergency room. She'd see the diabetes like, oh. right away at that point. She didn't know, but she knew he was like way sicker. She was like, he's too young to be being this way. Right. She, she looked <laughs> and she like, was she's like, like, I don't know what's wrong with him, but yeah. you're going to the emergency. I don't need this kid on my conscience. <laughs> I need you to go downstairs right now because there's a lot exactly. going on here. Don't need your kid dying upstairs here with us. And so, right. yeah. And like hoisted him down. So, um, what were the first steps the emergency room took? They got him set up on IVs, and we were there in the emergency room, like, not even within five minutes. And I just remember the emergency room doctor looking at him, like, they, he's like, they said pneumonia? And I'm like, yeah, like, he doesn't have pneumonia. I think he's diabetic. And I was just like, what? Are you sure he doesn't have pneumonia? Because we were hoping for that. <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> Check his feet. Make sure his feet aren't, I like, nothing like about pointing the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Could this be anything else? So did yeah. what, how did the how did that strike you? Like diabetes, did it just seem like it wasn't something that fit a child, or like when you hear when you heard it initially, what would you? How did you react? I was just like, well, what like what kind of diabetes? <laughs> like, what did we do? Like, I I didn't know. I didn't know anything. About, I knew there were two types, and that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and one you... was the type you sort of gave yourself when you were older, and the other one you were born with. Oh, and that's that's just how you saw it. Like you give there's yeah. one you give yourself when you're old, and there's one you get, and uh, yes. and I, and but the one you get's not supposed to be like, wait, what's going on? Um, and how did they describe it to you when you asked which it was? Do you remember? Um, I didn't get the difference explained to me until like the second day in the hospital when I was like, hey, I don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you <laughs> between asked between type one and type two. Yeah. And so, yeah, then they explained about, well, they had lots of videos, gave us an iPad and told us to watch all the videos that explained how the pancreas works and unlocks the cells and all that stuff. You have a hospital that charged you to watch YouTube? That's what it sounds like to me. You paid, it sounds like you paid (laughs) $25,000 to watch some YouTube videos. They were like, we can explain this to her, but yeah, (laughs) it'd be so much easier just to give her this iPad full of videos. But Mm -hmm. doctors are getting lazy, aren't they? Oh, my Uh, son actually really liked the videos. Like, that's my body. Yeah. No kidding. Oh, that's cool. So were yeah. they animated? Yes. 
for a little yeah. cartoon. Well, I like a cartoon just like everybody else does. Uh, yeah. Except for the Missing Link movie that came out this summer. That was terrible. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I've digressed, but there's this great little, <laughs> there's this great little, um, movie company that makes these stop motion movies. So like uh, Kubu and the two strings or like Paranorman, Coraline, like these kind of different movies okay. that are made out of this stop motion animation. Oh and yeah. So, so they came out with a new one this year. And even though I watched the trailer and thought that movie appears to suck, I still went because I was with the company. If the company's listening, I, I went on your, you had a great track record. And I'll tell you, uh, that Missing Link movie made you, uh, made you upset that you wrote the movies. You're just like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. really, really bad. Anyway, but your son likes a little animated movie about the insides yeah. of his body. He digs it. How much of it do you think he understands today, nine months later? Um, I don't know. I feel like more than the average kid. He, w- he went home and he's kept watching videos and we got read him the book over and over again. And he goes up to people and says, I'm Tristan. I have diabetes. Here's my Dexcom. Like, <laughs> Does he really? Yeah. I like that. I like that. He's so open about it. And he's, and d- after hmm, what's the question here, how do people react? Do, does it freak people out? Or do they give them the the classic, oh, my God, you're so adorable, like that kind of thing? Or have you ever seen it, like, turn, take a person and, and put them in a position where they didn't know what to say? They kind of, like, look surprised, and they look at me, and they're like, he knows himself. I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's cool. That's really nice. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so hospital. Um, and so I guess the jumping off point from the idea that, mm-hmm. that about your diagnosis was, did did you feel guilty for not seeing it sooner? Oh, of course. Yeah. And how, how did, so uh, what's the logic that you use to feel that guilt with? Because it's one of those things that when you look at it in reality, you think, well, there's no way I could have known any of this, but you don't, you don't give yourself that pass. Like, so I don't, can you explain a little bit about that guilt? I guess. Yeah. Like put all these together and, figured something out but there were other explanations for the being in the water and his personality mm-hmm. just his personality even though my husband was he's so obnoxious there's got to be something wrong with him <laughs> <laughs> i'm like it's just he's always been that way <laughs> be honest when he was obnoxious so, were you like he's taking after you did you tell your husband this is how you are <laughs> and did well he- we had a joke that he kind of took after my sister because she was always very dramatic so oh. That's nice. I didn't realize we'd yeah. be throwing your sister under the bus in the podcast, but that's delightful. She would agree. You, oh, oh, would she really? That she's obnoxious? Yes. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. I've been called obnoxious. I get that. I see what's that. Sometimes you have to own it. Um, so your sister, can we say your sister's name or no? Carly. Carly? Carly. Carly. All right, Carly. Well, I'm sorry that you're obnoxious, but I like that, you, uh, that, you've, <laughs> that you've owned it. Uh, that's just very funny. Um Okay, so so there you go. Like, so you've got this guilt, like for just yeah. you know, you see these things over and over again, and they don't, you know, they don't cause you to go find out about something. I would tell you that you know the same thing happened to us. Arden was, you know, mm-hmm. in DKA when we figured it out. She was down to yep. the, the the panting, like you know, like a dog outside. In the, yeah, in the that's what he was doing. Right. So we made it all the way to the end too. I don't think it's you know, do, is it guilt you still carry, or have you been able to sort of leave it behind? Touched by Type 1's mission 
is to elevate awareness of type 1 diabetes, raise funds to find a cure, and to inspire those with diabetes to thrive. They have amazing programs and services for people with type 1, and I'd like you to find out a little more about them. How can you find out about their annual conference, their awareness campaign, Dancing for Diabetes, or the extensive, amazing, professional dance program that they have for kids with type 1? It's really easy to find out more about it. Not difficult at all. You go to touchedbytype1.org, and right there at the top of the page, it says programs. You can click through them and see what's going on. No better way to spend a couple of minutes. Touchedbytype1.org. Okay, we're all inside right now. I don't want to say stuck inside, right? We're lucky to have homes. But we're starting to feel a little, uh, well, I can speak for myself. I'm bored. And it's hard to just motivate myself to do the things that I should be doing right now. But there are some simple things you can be doing to help yourself in major, major ways. And one of them is something I don't think we think about too often. Get a little comfortable, right, with the blood glucose meter we have. And we stop believing that there's uh, any reason to pay attention to what else is out there. Except I know that the Contour Next One blood glucose meter is worlds better, very likely, than the meter you're using every day. Now, you've got all this other great technology. Your blood glucose meter should be right up there at the top of the list, just like your CGM and your pump, all this cool stuff that you have that you're counting on. Right? When you have to rely on a meter, you want it to be accurate and easy to use, and you don't want to waste test strips. And the Contour Next One blood glucose meter fills all of those orders. Check it out, right? Go to contournext1.com. At the top of the page, there's actually a, a little yellow thing you can click on to find out if you're eligible for a free meter. You may be, you may not be, I don't know. I don't know you, you know what I mean? But it's worth finding out. And even if you're not eligible for the free meter, it's not an expensive thing to switch blood glucose meters. And this is the one you want to be looking at. Check out the meter, check out the strips, take a hard look at the Contour Diabetes app that you can use for your phone. It's absolutely free. will help you make better sense of the data coming back from that meter. This is without a doubt, no exaggeration, the most accurate, easy to use blood glucose meter Arden has ever had. And it is well worth a couple of minutes of your time to check it out. I mean, honestly. What wall are you staring at right now? You know what I mean? We're not busy. Make an improvement for yourself. This will feel like a small improvement, but will have amazing ripples into your health. Just having good information. Contournext1.com. There are links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com for all of the sponsors of the Juicebox Podcast. Click on those links. Support the show. Hey, if you're still listening to this ad, first of all, thank you. Secondly, don't forget about the free no obligation demo you can get from Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. And of course, the information that you could learn about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Is it guilt you still carry or have you been able to sort of leave it behind? I've 
I've, I think I've been able to leave behind. Like at the hospital, they were really good. They didn't make me feel guilty at all. They're like, you did great. You see kids and they're unconscious. So. Oh, yeah, that's the <laughs> you line. You brought that, them in awake. So. That's the line they use when you made it almost to the worst part. And then they're like, yeah. but you got them here before this. So good job. We were told the same thing. We see a lot of kids come in here and they're. They're unconscious. They go into comas. Some of them don't come out yeah. of them. Yeah. Like they, what I realized now in hindsight, they were saying, well, you guys did screw up a lot, but not all the way. So <laughs> just take some comfort in that if you want. And uh, it, it's funny because during the diagnosis, everything is so scattered, you know, that you don't really, you're not processing things the way you normally do. You, no. you, you know, you're not really, you're not really feeling the moment the way you would in a, in a, in a different situation. Like I felt in that missing link movie, which was terrible. Like I sat there and felt <laughs> every minute of that movie. And, um, okay. So, all right. So now you said you found the podcast early on again. Did you find that through like, like support groups? Uh, yeah. On Facebook. So, and people just talking about, so, so what, so this is interesting to me because if I'm trying to decide, like, in what world would I see somebody who's basically a stranger on Facebook um, yeah. and saying, if you need, you know, information about your lifelong disease, I'd go to this <laughs> podcast and you think, well, that sounds like a good idea. Because yeah. I ask, because I ask <laughs> listeners all the time, like, please share the show because there's no good way for it to grow if you don't tell people, etc. But I always wonder, like, what do they end up telling people? Like, what what can you say to a to a virtual stranger that causes them to think, all right, I'll check out a podcast about something like this. Like what, do you remember what was said that moved you or was it just a, a lot of voices or how did it, how did it get you uh, over here? I think I was asking for recommendations. Like, is there a book or something I can read? And someone said, oh, there are a list of books. And one was, Oh, you should listen to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, well, I have a car and I drive to work. I can do that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's way better than buying a book. Books, yeah. are, books are very, well, let's just be honest. They're hard to read when you're adults because there's not a lot of time. Uh, yeah. but, but okay, so you just like, all right, I'll give it a roll. Like that was your kind of your feeling like, look, if it's no good, it's no good, but I'll try it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be easy enough. All right, so you jump into the podcast. What were you looking for when you got there? So like, I guess like, let's go back into that moment and and answer the question, what was it you were searching for? Like, what was happening in that moment with your care that you thought this can't stay this way? I just wanted to know, like, how I could be the best at taking care of it, I guess. I wanted to know everything I could about it and how to, like, get an A in diabetes, I guess. <laughs> Is this part of your personality aside, yes. <laughs> aside of diabetes? Yes. Okay. I would say so. So you would say so. So you don't want to do anything <laughs> halfway. You don't want you don't want someone to look up at you and be like, "Ooh, she could have done better here." So even the yeah. guilt, even the guilt you felt about not getting him to the hospital as soon as you wanted to is that more about the idea that there was a better way to get him to the hospital sooner, and because you didn't do it sooner, you didn't do it well. Well, I just feel bad that I didn't. Believe summer long and I was just telling them you're not tired just get up and walk and <laughs> you don't need any water come on you just want my attention because I thought he was just being clingy because I was going back to work okay <laughs> but okay no it's interesting because because we all do that right like we all take how we feel about something or what we suppose yeah. about a situation and we we put it on other people you, you know yeah. it's like it's you know as if like I mean how old was he at that point it was 
He was diagnosed a month before his fourth birthday. Right. So, and we had also just moved into a new house. So Okay. So so if you stop and really think about it, like the absurdity of thinking that a four year old feels the 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 entire weight of the idea that his mom's going back to work enough that he would like change his personality. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, kids, kids don't really care. Like, you know, I'm going back to work. They're like, whatever. If it's not happening right now, I don't know it's happening. You, you, you know, she he wasn't he wasn't sitting up at night. He wasn't sitting up at night going, I can't believe this. Mom's going back to work. I don't know what to do. Right. Uh, I have to devise a plan to get her really involved here with me. Uh, it's probably going to involve me peeing on something and eating a lot of cookies, but only half of the bag. I think this is going to really get her attention. But it's it's how you felt because that's what you were probably feeling bad about. You were probably feeling bad about, I'm going back to work. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. would ask, yeah. how many days do you go back to work? Oh, this kid with his calendar, <laughs> keeping count of everything, yeah. you know, trying to make you feel bad. Let me tell you something, mm-hmm. and I mean this. I mean this genuinely. When Cole was born, I quit my job. Mm-hmm. That was in 2000, uh, around January. I have not gotten up and gone to a job since then, which, as you can tell by the calendar, is uh, some 19 years and some months mm-hmm. later. If you told me I had to go to a job next week, I'd probably chain myself to the refrigerator and start crying. Yeah. yeah, I would just be like, no, you can't make me go. I don't want to. Please don't make me. I haven't shaved every day in a very long time, and I don't want to do that anymore. I, I just I couldn't, I couldn't fathom the idea. When my wife leaves for work every morning, I look at her and I think, oh, my God, thank God she's doing that because, I mean, it would kill me. I'm sure it's killing her too, but, you know, in a race of who dies first, I want it to be me. That's what I tell her. But in my mind, I want it to be her because I'd like to live longer. <laughs> so like right. she's out doing this for me. I'm like, oh, I really appreciate this. Thank you. I just, for all you people who work, it seems horrible. And um, not that this podcast doesn't take up an incredible amount of my time. And, you know, it, it does. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I fly somewhere to talk and I'm, it's a lot of days in a row and things like that. But but it's not every day. It's not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I think the kid, did he save you from this? Did you go back to work or did the diabetes cause you to change your job plans? Oh, no, I went back to work. Like I took the days off. I left early when I, uh, my mom was watching him and she was like, you should bring him to the doctor. So I did. And then, you know, I took several days off from work and went back to work. It was fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're, <laughs> I, I, are you I working work full-time now? Supportive environment. <laughs> you do. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So, so your job's flexible about if you need to do something for your kids. Yeah. No, that's very nice. A lot of places aren't. So that's really great. Um, and you're working now still. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you took off enough time to make the second baby and then you were right back in the game again. Like how, when did you stop working when you were pregnant with your second one? Uh, uh well, after I had him, I maternity leave and then back to teaching. So, so you worked right up until like go time or, or very close to? Yes, actually after, cause my second one was a week late. So, oh, so you made it past the due date. <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. Look, see, see again, there's a good look into my mind. I'm like, how much time could I get off for being pregnant if I was pregnant? Right. <laughs> and you're like, I wanted to work as I could. I didn't have a lot of paid days, like take off. Right. Yeah. I mean, that all makes sense. I'm just saying you're seeing where my brain jumps right away. I'm like pregnant. I get off for that. Right. But you don't get off for anything. And I know that because I watched my wife. I watched my wife go to uh, go into Manhattan when she was pregnant with Cole. Yeah. And because at the end, 
She couldn't move as quickly. She couldn't get back on the train as fast as everybody else. So when she'd get on, there were no seats left. And no one would give her a seat. So she said there were days where she felt so nauseous that she'd sit on the floor of the train and ride the train home on the floor. Oh, my God. People would look at her. I don't want everyone else to judge the Northeast by this because sometimes people let her sit down. But people would look at her, see how pregnant she was, and just be like, huh, should have got here sooner and got one of these seats like I did. (laughs) There's something delightful about living around here that I think that people who don't live here can't really appreciate. Um, but it's also kind of horrible sometimes. That would be a good example of that. Like she'd get off the train. She's like, I sat on the floor for an hour on the train and she just felt terrible, but she kept going the whole way too. I really, you let's be honest. Women are amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and you've heard it said a million times, but if men had to carry babies, there'd be six people on the planet and we'd be close to extinction. So yeah, yeah, I would definitely (laughs) not do that. Um, you definitely guys are definitely wired right for, for that, uh, for that little bit of keeping us all here. Um, I don't feel like I have to thank you for it, but you know, <laughs> you did bring two good kids in and one of them is going to run really fast with a super tight Achilles tendons one day. Yeah. It's going to be a track star. Um, okay. So you go out in the world, you find out, Hey, I'm going to find out some books. I'm going to check out this podcast. You start listening oh. to the podcast. How does the podcast strike you initially? Like, are you just like, wow, nobody said it to me like this, or did it bring ideas together for you that you were having, but you kind of couldn't pull full circle? Like, like, how did it work for you? Yeah, it was like, well, why didn't they explain all of this to us at the hospital? And you were using words I'd never heard before, like Dex Omnipod. I'm like, what are these things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to go look them up. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, and then it made a lot of sense how you were explaining everything. And then even before we went to the next follow-up appointment, that's when they finally explained to us, well, you can cover food in between, you know, the correcting, and that's fine. I'm like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. There's so many different versions of what to do spread out all over the country and the world. I just spoke to a mom yesterday. I can't use her name, but she's somewhere in the South where they put her kid on regular and NPH and put him on a feeding schedule still. The, you know, you eat these many carbs at this time of day. And I just thought, my God, that's antiquated. Like, who does that? But I think it happens to more people than I think. You you know, and and Mm -hmm. they also gave her Humalog for mealtimes. So Mm -hmm. the poor kid's getting low a lot. And they're basically like they're they're feeding the insulin. They're you know they've put this regular yeah. MPH in. It's dragging him down, dragging him down, dragging him down. And it gets to a certain time of day, and he needs to eat. And if he doesn't eat, he gets low. And I'm like, that's just and and it's um, it strips any kind of freedom out of your life. You, you know what yeah. I mean? And you're using an insulin from decades ago at this point. Like, how is that how you would handle somebody who was diagnosed this year? I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't know how that still happens. Right. Um, but it seems sad, you know, and they put her they, and the poor kid's got a Dexcom, right? Yeah. But, and so they could see, well, I mean, luckily they can see how the kid's blood sugar is falling, but imagine even that, like you put it on, you watch his, you know, his, his blood sugar is like plummeting down and going back up and, and all they're done. <laughs> they're stuck like watching it going, well, I guess this is what diabetes is. So, yeah. so you take these people, they're diagnosed. They don't know anything about it. You give them really, you know, poor direction and, and medications about how to take care of things. And then you show them 
this is what's going wrong and then don't give them any answers about it. And that's just, it seems cruel. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like a horror movie where they, uh, I don't know where they let you see they, they you know they kill the guy in the room next to you, but you get to watch, so you know what's happening right. to you next. Like at least have the courtesy to keep the window closed, so I don't see what's going on. <laughs> and it's just very, very interesting how they give them that technology. What am I trying to say? Like I'm amazed that there's a doctor's office somewhere who's like Dexcom G6. Yo, you definitely need this. This is cutting edge, and here's insulin from 1986. Yeah, very strange. Like if you found out about one, you. About other things. Yeah, how can they understand half of it and not the other <laughs> half? Like, like it, that's, right. that's the part that just it, it threw me off when I was talking. So I, you know, I, you know, I'm sharing it without names, but I, I just told her I'm like, look, I'd go back to the doctor's office and say, I, I you know, I need a, I need a slow acting insulin and and a fast acting insulin, and I maybe yeah. a pump, you know, and 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 that's it. I'm I'm switching from this, and if you don't like it, I'll have to go somewhere else, but. You know, it's not 1989, and I'm not doing this this way. Right. You know. Anyway. Um. So okay. So you you get on you get on the show. You, you you're hearing things you hadn't heard before. You go find mm-hmm. out about them. You get them started. Are you like a? Do you bump and nudge and 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 do those things? Is that how you manage your days? Yeah, I was trying to do that with uh pen. Get a pump yet? So in the meantime, I bought an in pen. Because I wanted more data and information and to keep track of all of that. Okay. So then chasing my poor son around the house, trying to give him shots all the time. But we finally got the pump. And so I tried to do the bump and nudge and all of that. And is that working for you? And yeah, it is. Most of the time I rearrange everything. And it's funny, like my husband didn't understand why I wanted all this technology or he's like, we, you know, if it's cheaper to do it with the finger pokes and needles. Why don't we just do it that way? And time I had made all these charts of <laughs> what it would actually cost with needles and then with the different pumps. I was like, look, it's just like a $500 difference. It's worth it to me to just do the pump. Right. And it's so not about, I mean, now that you're doing it that way, like it's so not about th- right. That, that, right? Yeah. But is that, do you have to budget things? Are you the person in your house who like budgets things out all the time? Or were you just trying to make a case for it and you didn't know how to make the medical case for it? So you thought, well, at least I'll make a financial case. Well, we had just happened to also be diagnosed during my employer's open enrollment period. So I wanted to, (laughs) I could money. So yeah, so that's what I was doing. I I hear you. I (laughs) you. By the way, isn't being an adult terrible? Like yeah. <laughs> for anyone, seriously, anyone listening who has never had to like go, uh, uh, it's the weekend and there's all these things I want to do. But instead, we're going to sit down and read about the different insurance plans that my employer right. offers and try to figure out which one's best. And trust which me. Which one will get me the most free things? They're written to in out. a way. <laughs> oh, my God. They're written, Chelsea, in a way where you're just like, it, it, they both seem equal to me. I don't even understand why these two exist. They don't, they don't appear to be any different. It's just like. I don't know. It's like it's like anything else. Like you know how every once in a while you get it in your head, you're like, I'm gonna find a new cell phone carrier because there must right. be. Che- you can't. They're not cheaper anywhere. It's all price fixed. It's not gonna work. Uh-huh. And you're yeah. And so you spend your whole Saturday, and then what'd you do? You just went with the plan that you had before. Um. No, actually, we switched. Okay. So. What 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 that kind of sense. what kind of little save- did you get? Uh well, the one we switched. It's a little more expensive monthly, but in the end that has a lower out-of-pocket or deductible, we end up getting more supplies for free. Okay. 
even though it's not really free, but it's free. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really, oh, nothing's free. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm paying $800 a month for but <laughs> isn't that funny? Isn't it funny that you pay? I mean, you just at eight hundred dollars a month, but that's you know, it's eight thousand dollars a year or something like yeah. that. And you're like, look, if we just hear, then four hundred dollars, and it's free after that. Free, you paid eight thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I try not to think about that part of it uh, because then when you get your copay for something, you think, but I've already spent so much money just to get the insurance. Exactly. Like, how is it possible you want more from me? I went to the. I had to go into the hospital recently, just in and out. And I'm fine, but they must have billed for like, I don't know, $15,000 and still sent me a bill for $1,500. I was like, wait, how is that possible? Like I'm, I'm past my copay already. Like I'm good. Like we've paid up the, I have a kid with diabetes and it's June. I've been good for a while. You you know what I mean? Like we're, we're paid in and I'm going to, eventually I'll just call the hospital and be like, look, are you out of your mind? Like, I'm not giving you $1,500. Like, for what? You know, for the three tests that I stood up in the room and said, please don't give me those. I don't need those. That's not why I'm here. And they're like, no, we have to. And now you want to charge me for it? And by the way, all the tests were clear, and I told you I didn't need them? Like, you know, I don't know. Do you think I'll have any luck arguing my way out of that? Probably not. I don't know. It should be like, I passed the test. I don't have to pay, right? That's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give that a try. I'll mention it when I call. Um, Okay, so, so so that's smart, though. Like, I mean, honestly... Joking around, it sucks to, you know, to have to spend time as an adult, like looking into stuff like that. But everybody really should sit down and read through those plans and see what they do. Because yeah. there very well might be one where you could, like, you know, you said $500, maybe it's a thousand, you might save a little bit of money at the end of the year. And it's a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah. So, okay, you bump a nudge a little bit. Where are we at? Are, do you mind saying... Like, you know, how's your, let's, let's ask some kind of management idea questions. So like, where's your low and high, um, range set to on your Dexcom? Where do you try to stay? 80 to 150. Sorry about that. I got thirsty and 80 to 150. And that, do you have, what am I want to call it? Luck with like, do you basically get to stay in that range? Do you leave it very frequently? Yeah, basically do, um, doesn't get low very often mm-hmm. except for like today he's been low all day but usually it's high and by high how far over 150 when you're when you have that thought like oh gosh she's uh, hundreds say it again in the 200 200s yeah. um do you ride it out do you try to get it down like have you figured out why he gets the 200 and doesn't and and you get stuck in that how often does it happen well, it's sort of like my husband and I have different strategies for tackling. He likes to ride it out afraid of him going low. Mm-hmm. And I like to tackle it because I'm like, he's never going to say no to M&Ms or fruit snacks. So so why don't we get this down and then we'll <laughs> catch it with a snack if we need Yeah, exactly. So when you say you and your husband have different strategies, if you were, weren't trying to stay married, <laughs> what would you say about <laughs> that? Would you say that you're doing it right and he's not? <laughs> I'm doing it better, <laughs> not doing it wrong. <laughs> so if, is your husband not around it as much as you are? No, actually he takes care of them morning and most of the day. And then he drops them off to me at work. So I'm sort of in charge the rest of the day and the night. Um, hmm. 50. And so, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to like figure something out, right? Like, it's usually, I think this would, 
I guess I'm going to say this is what I'm getting at. I think <laughs> it would surprise the people who are listening to know that in the private conversations I have with families, it is more often the man, the the, the male part of the mom-dad relationship who's uh-huh. sca- who is scared. And yeah. I... I, I I can't ever put my finger on why that is because guys basically don't think about anything. Like you, I don't know how long you've been married, but by now you must have noticed. Like I said on a podcast yeah. the other day that'll end up being six months ago. Like I'm not even like I'm basically just a rock with a pulse. Like I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like I I think through so few things before I do them. I'm always like go 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 do knock it over. We'll pick it up later. You know, just, I don't care. Kill it. Like that kind of stuff, like just guy stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to this, it's never like that. Very infrequently, the guys are, you know, most, most often the guys I hear from are always the ones who are just, well, let's just be careful. And I don't know why. I wish I could get a guy on to be honest and talk about it. Um, I don't know if they, I, you know, there is this interesting thing when you have a baby, right? When you get married, Chelsea, it's like, oh, it's me and this guy that I love or me and this girl that I love or this girl and that girl, whoever you are. You have this pairing of people and you realize that you're the, to each other, you're like the most important thing in the world. Then you have a baby and you recognize, oh, I used to think she was the most important thing in the world, but now I realize that's just a girl I met at a movie theater one time. <laughs> that's my son. Like, right? Like if one of us has to get thrown off a boat because there's only two seats, I'm tossing her over, not him, you know? And I never would have done that six months ago. And so you have this, like, you you have this different connection to your children than you do to your spouse. And I think sometimes you realize it hit me one time when, you know, when I became a stay-at-home dad and I'm raising Cole, I was like, oh my God, if something happens to this kid, like, she's not going to forgive me. Like whether it's, you know what I mean? Like whether it's on purpose or not, like that'll be something that will happen that I don't know that somebody could ever get over. And so I wonder if guys, like, I wonder if that's something because men, men want to keep their women. Women, once they're (laughs) married are sort of like, all right, well, you know, we've got the house and the kids all look the same. So I don't know that I really need you anymore. It's interesting how sometimes, yeah, yeah, women's like focus changes as they've had children. The children become incredibly important and everything else sort of takes a back seat. And I don't know if I'm making all this up or not, but I do wonder like why it is that overwhelmingly I see men who just would rather have their kids blood sugar high. Do they not understand that that's detrimental or are they so scared they can't care? I don't feel like at first my husband didn't understand why I wanted all this stuff. And I was worried about his blood sugar being high all the time. And Unfortunately, it took because I would try to explain long term health consequences, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, whatever. We're doing fine. But then my mom passed away suddenly. And then finally, all of a sudden got it. He's like, interesting. He be on top of it. Interesting. Give me one second. I have something making noise in the background. I have to stop. I'll be back in one second. So I'm sorry. So, so somebody's mortality reared its head and then your husband thought, oh, wow, people do die. Not that he didn't know that, but it, the reality of it hit him. I have to say that that's not crazy because a lot of us make it through life, not paying attention to those sorts of things. Like, you know, ignorance is bliss kind of a situation, um, is definitely a way to get through some things and, and it happens for people. So how, so who passed, so tell me who passed away again. My mom. Of what? It was 
really unexpected. It ended up being some sort of heart problem, like pericarditis, like a lining around her heart blamed it and she yeah. yeah, like that. And how old just, was she? Everything went downhill very fast. She was sixty one. I'm very sorry. That's so young and, and obviously <laughs> not uh not not funny at all. Um, no. <laughs> and um, and it's just tough because we went right into your mom dying from like all the joking around about you know yeah it, it's, it happened it was such a weird shift she but um would get it <laughs> but so do you think that part of your mom's death being so out of the blue do you think that helped like jolt your husband a little bit like wow look this didn't look like it was going to happen and now all of a sudden she's not here anymore and maybe yeah. I'm looking at these blood sugars and thinking it's going to be fine and maybe it won't be. Yeah, I feel like that's what happened. Well, well, your mom did a very nice thing with her last thing she did. <laughs> Seriously. You yeah. Know, like it, uh, she'll never, you know, uh, maybe she didn't do it on purpose, but you know, if it, if it helped your husband think about it differently, then I think it is a, it's a, it's a really kind of a kind thing, you know? Um, yeah, because high blood sugars are easy to ignore because of the lack of physical, I don't know, feedback that tells you this is bad. I need right. to do something. Right. And if the kid's jerky, you can just say, Oh, he's a little kid. But meanwhile, when his blood sugar is lower, is he more well-behaved? Oh, absolutely. He's a total jerk when his blood sugar is high, Like, <laughs> but he's the nicest kid ever. Like blood sugars are even, and even his preschool teacher would recognize. She's like, we had a difficult day, but I think that was his blood sugar. Yeah. <laughs> No, and and that's interesting though because you know it's a hundred percent true, and people don't people don't give it enough weight when they're thinking about it. It's the listen. The truth is, it, it, controlling blood sugar with bad tools or bad information it, it feels impossible and, and might well be. And then you get good tools and good information, you realize, oh, this is not as difficult as I thought. And now, yeah. it's, now it's easier to hold yourself more accountable because you feel like you feel like you actually have the tools to be accountable. Like, but you know, right. but holding yourself accountable to something that you don't know how to do that just, that hurts. You know, that's not a, that's not a feeling that someone should have to live with. So uh, does your husband listen to the show or do you just pass stuff to him that you hear? No, he doesn't listen. And I, not because he doesn't want to, but he just, he doesn't do podcasts or shows or books or things. So I just, you uh, pump the information to him. Yeah, I kind of do. I have to apologize to all of the men in the world who I'm pretty sure at some point in the day get told the guy on the podcast said blah, 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 uh, because I'm now meeting them. I had this most, this really like a wonderful interaction when I was in Orlando uh, recently. And um, a person came up to me who's going to hear this. And she was so excited to meet me, which baffles me. I, I hope you understand that I'm not just mm -hmm. like, of course she's excited. Come on over. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, really me? Are you sure? And she's just jumping out of her skin excited. And she wants to tell me what the podcast means to her, which was really wonderful. But right behind her is her poor husband. Who's like looking on, like what is happening? <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> and I thought, well, this poor guy, and she's like, she talks about you a lot, but he wasn't saying it in like a very upbeat way. And I and I, so I, I apologized to him. I was like, look, I'm very sorry. Um, I said, I think there's like a couple of shows if you listen to, she might get off your back. Like there's these couple of episodes I would try if I was you. <laughs> and then you could relate a little more. She'd think you were listening and you wouldn't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and you wouldn't have to, you know, wouldn't have to hear about this. But I really did feel 
It was awkward. And then I called my wife when I got up to my hotel room and she's like, I can't believe anyone wants to talk to you. And I was like, well, you're mean. (laughs) (laughs) But, but so seriously, like if you could get him to listen to maybe just a couple of the pro tips episodes, do you think that would help you? Because at some point, y'all seriously, like at some point you can't have it so that when your son's with you, his blood sugar is 120. And when he's with his dad, it's 220. Right. Right. Like, cause that's just not fair to him, you know, to your son. And so something's got to give where he, you know, he takes on a little more, but you guys are also so I'm arguing with myself. You guys are also, (laughs) so you're also so new to it that you would think that some more time might help him feel at ease. What do you think would help him? Is there a way to help him feel like, let me shoot for 150 instead? Um, you know, he's getting better. It's just like when he's with the boys, he's busy and he just, I don't know. I try to set him up good. So he's ready for the, for the day I leave and everyone's still asleep in the house. So if his blood, if Tristan's blood sugar is, is even before I leave for work then we're pretty good. And he honestly doesn't do that bad a job of managing. He's just afraid of having him drop low below. And then him having being too busy to address it. Does, I he, guess. does he work from home? No, he is self-employed. So he goes around and buys things from thrift stores and garage sales and resells them online. Okay. And so he's, like, in, he's in and out of the house sometimes. Yeah. And he the, takes the boys with him to the stores. And so, but he gets, but he's afraid he could be, Oh, I see. He's afraid he could get busy doing what he needs to do. Right. And miss this thing. And, he yeah. has, and and cause a real issue. Um, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a fear I understand. And at the same time, I think with the Dexcom is a little not real. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, right. could, could he could set his alarms because I'm assuming he's following on his yeah. phone, right? Yeah. He could yeah. set his alarms where he was, he'd be comfortable knowing. Yeah. All right. So have your alarms and bring the thing and then do a, turn off the basil for a little bit, which yeah. once I told him he could do that, he thought that was brilliant. So. Cool. Good. Well, listen, that's my challenge to him is to just, is to just push down his expectations, like make his, you know, lower his high blood sugar expectations. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's, by the way, not just your husband. And I am so sorry to him for feeling like I'm picking on him, but I'm not, I'm trying to make a greater point. But if you do that, anyone listening, if you, and I haven't said this in a while, but you know, it, it occurred to me at one point when my daughter was younger, I used to have her high alarm set at 200. Yeah. And she was very infrequently over 200. And I just realized one day, I was like, well, I seem to be good at keeping her under 200. So I moved her to 180. And then I was good at keeping her under 180. And then mm-hmm. so I just kept pushing it down. I was like, oh, I get what I expect. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm working towards this, so that's what I end up getting. And I think your husband could easily do that. Even if he yeah. just even if he just went to 180 and then got that feeling like, oh, look, he doesn't get low. Let me try 170. Let me try 160, yeah. 150 until you get down. And really, it's missing the pre-bolus that gets him up because we don't honestly pre-bolus with enough time. <laughs> and is that just because does your son get like impatient? Yeah, and he's unpredictable with what he wants to eat. So he'll say he wants to eat one thing and then it's, he'll be like no I don't want that you're crazy I want this instead okay. well, <laughs> so um, are you finding because what I would say to you if you came to me and said this is my problem you know I don't know how to pre-bolus because my kid changes his mind all the time what I would say is just pre-bolus a minimal a, a minimum then mm-hmm. just pick a number like 10 carbs you know 10 
that. It's always, my pre-boss is always 10 carbs because he's always going to eat at least that much, no matter what food he switches from. And, yeah. and give yourself like at least that going in. Because once you get the momentum of the insulin moving in your direction, then you can come through and go, okay, well, now I realize it's going to be, you know, meal A when I thought it was going to be meal B. But now that I've got those 10 carbs in, he's still moving in the right direction. He's starting to eat. I could put the rest of the insulin in now and not find myself behind in, in terms of a, of a spike. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do it? I mean, I know it's hard. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. For everybody listening, I know how hard pre-bolusing is. Like, it's... It's a weird thing to think about eating before you're eating. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, of course you know what I mean, but it's, it is, it's a strange thing. Like you don't, you don't plan at nine o'clock, you, you know, in the morning to eat at 10 o'clock in the morning. That doesn't, it's, it's doesn't take you an hour to make your breakfast. You don't even start thinking about it for 20 mm-hmm. minutes before you're going to eat. I, I, I was going to use an analogy about watching television, but I think it's completely gone now. You know, like. <laughs> Like, I don't think that people think anymore of like, I have to be at home at eight o'clock to watch this TV show. Like people don't really think about that, but there was a time in the world where if you wanted to watch something on television, you had to be there. And that meant you had to think ahead about it. Like maybe the, oh my God, this alarm's going off one more time. I'm coming back. Hold on. Sorry. Um, But, but maybe maybe how easy, I don't want to say easy, but how kind of automated our lives have become has taken away people's ability to pre-plan for things as well. Right. Right. Because you sort of don't need to, even, even if I decide to, I could decide tonight to watch a movie at eight o'clock and with like two clicks, have every movie it's ever made at my disposal to choose from pretty much. But you know, when I was a kid, if I wanted to see a movie, I had to figure out which one I was going to see and I had to go buy tickets and you had to drive to the thing. And like, there was, you had to plan. So I know that planning sucks now, but if it's if you can make one adjustment to your life with mm-hmm. diabetes, it's planning to pre-bolus. It's such a big yeah. deal. I think it's a point off your I think it's a point off your A1C if you just pre-bolus. Wow. So summer uh, goal. Yeah, right. Yeah, please. And by the way, good point. You're coming up on the summer, you start getting into a rhythm, and then you know what? It it'll carry itself over because it'll become your expectation. So it'll be part of your it'll be part of what you do by then. Yeah. Very cool. Very nice. Uh, it has been almost an hour. I don't know what we talked about, which is usually yeah. the uh, indication that it was good. And uh, did we miss anything that you want to talk about that we didn't bring up? Uh, no. I don't think so. Yeah, I think part of the guilt, like also felt really bad because he would have nightmares after we came home from the hospital like he'd be tossing and turning at night saying ow ow poke really (laughs) oh my god those terrible nurses what they've done (laughs) well listen any good parent and by good parent i mean it's totally bad parenting but you always tell someone else uh you tell your kids it was someone else you just pick a pick a faceless (laughs) person in the distance that they're never gonna see again and be like oh my god that lady did that to you what a horrible woman yeah Without making him scared of nurses, but, but <laughs> so he really, so he was having like nightmares where you could mm-hmm. hear him talking about the process of being in the hospital. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if that's happened to anybody else because that's, I've never heard that before. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> that was another thing. Yeah. I wonder, I, I, I'd like to listen. If that's happened to anybody else, let me know. That's, that would be crazy. Um, how long did they go on for? About a month. I feel like. So we sort of really got in the swing of things and it was more under control and 
Yeah. So now he just thinks anytime someone goes to the hospital, they come home with diabetes. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I hope he, I can't wait for him to get old enough to realize that that's not true. Um, I know. At first he thought the new house gave him diabetes. I thought it was the doctors, but yeah, I can, he got I, his Omnipod and he thought that that made the diabetes go away. He wasn't getting shots anymore. Yeah. You, <laughs> do you know that Arden thought when she was really little that the JDRF walks because they were a walk for a cure? She thought like, she thought she wouldn't have diabetes at a certain point. We didn't realize she'd luckily Aww. told our, um, my, my sister-in-law so we could talk to her. Um, but when she was like, Oh my gosh, when she was like six years old or something like that, she thought like it was going away soon. And we had to tell her no. Um, and it was, it was, uh, I'm going to mark it as one of the saddest moments of my life, but, uh, <laughs> having to tell her that, but it was interesting how she made the leap. You know what I mean? Like she was just like, Oh yeah, yeah it's a walk for a cure. So, I mean, it's coming, right? Like, when's this happening? Yeah. Exactly. You walk and you're cured. That's how Yeah. <laughs> I go for the walk to make my diabetes go away. And so she thought that for a little while. Um, and yeah, so oh, I, I see that. By the way, I dropped my iPad yesterday and I dreamt about it all night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you imagine if somebody diagnosed me with a horrible, I mean, really, I'm so <laughs> fragile that I like dropped my iPad and I, and I had a nightmare about it. <laughs> Your son must have been like. He must have saw dragons and needles and all kinds of stuff yeah. going on in there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, Chelsea, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this and being interested in being on the show and sharing your experiences and letting us pick on your husband, which I'm sorry for. Um, <laughs> I know. And, and he doesn't listen. He'll be okay. <laughs> calling your sister names. Really, this one's fantastic. I, and I'm leaning heavily towards Tristan's a jerk as the title because you said that at one point, but I probably won't. Um, but, but seriously, I, I, I appreciate you taking the time and doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yep. Can you hold fun. on a second? You, you <laughs> yep. had fun? Yeah. Oh, excellent. You're so Midwestern. It's hard to tell. <laughs> 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 so before I pause it, like you're in Minnesota, right? Yes. Like there is just such an evenness about you that I can't, like, I have trouble reading you. Um, like, but I figured it out in the first couple of minutes, but at first I was like, <laughs> I don't know if she's sad or happy or, um, you just, you seem like just, I don't know. You reminded me of trains, planes, and automobiles for some reason. And I don't know why I'm saying <laughs> that even, even now when I'm saying it to you, you're so kind of calm. And even like, like you, when you're talking about your husband, you're like, he doesn't like to do that. So it's okay. I wish yeah. you could hear my wife. <laughs> I'm never going to let her come on the show because she'll, you know, but maybe one day. But nevertheless, if you said to my wife, hey, your husband's too busy for you, you wouldn't even get that out of your mouth. And she'd be like, I don't care. He needs to do it. And that would be the yeah. end of it. You're just so nice. I'm moving to the Midwest if I ever need a new wife. That's what I've just decided. Well, my husband would say, not this way at home, but <laughs> I'd try. It's like when kids are well-behaved at school and then they're terrible at home. <laughs> I understand. So you're, you're maybe not quite as kind and forgiving at home as you are when you're talking to other people? No, well, that's when I'm tired and it all comes out. <laughs> yeah, maybe your blood sugar's just high. Yeah, exactly. Huge thanks to Chelsea for coming on the show and sharing her experience with type 1 diabetes, being Tristan's mother. And thank you, as always, to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show. But today, especially, the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Go to ContourNextOne.com to find out more. And of course, to my favorite type 1 diabetes organization, Touched by Type 1, please go check them out at touchedbytype1.org. 
Before I go, let me tell you that the meetups we're doing, I know I wasn't going to mention the coronavirus during this one, but we've been doing these meetups on Thursdays uh, virtually through Zoom. They're going great and they're growing. The next one will be this Thursday night at 7 p.m. That will be April 16th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can find links through the Facebook page and Instagram later next week. Come hang out with a bunch of people who have type 1. There's a great mix of adults with type 1 and parents of kids. The conversation is free-flowing. It's not structured, but it's also not crazy. People aren't talking over each other. It's not a mess. But I'm not like, here's topic 1. Now we're going to talk about this. That's bull. I don't I would never do that. So, uh very cool, free-flowing, nice conversation. Actually, I think it went like 2 hours the other night. It was only supposed to be 90 minutes. People are just having a good time. And if you're not looking for that kind of community during this lockdown time, all good with me. It's just there if you need it. Okay, I'm going to post this and then support it on social media. And then I just, you know, just 48 hours later, the weekend will be over. Maybe I'll watch a movie or what you guys been watching, by the way. I've been checking out Ozark, enjoying that. There's a couple movies I want to get to. That Onward movie from Pixar, I got a little teary-eyed there at one point. Um, I don't know what else to say. There's The days are so long. just feel like they're never-ending. House is so clean. You could eat off the door jams. I mean, there's just nothing else to do. The laundry's done. I tell you, I wish I knew how to cut my own hair. It's getting out of hand, you know what I mean? Anyway, I hope you're all safe. Wash your hands. Oh, look, it's going to rain. My app just told me. That sounds exciting. Oh, you know what? You could leave an explosively thoughtful, thoroughly positive review of the podcast right there in your podcast app, especially that Apple app. Super easy to leave an app, uh, a review. You know, make it, you know, don't just be like, great podcast. Although, if that's all you can muster, I'm not going to stop you. I'm just saying, you know, something thoughtful. Something that would make someone else think, I should try this out. That would be lovely if you could do that. Otherwise, share the show. Please, please, please. I do not have money for advertising. Share the show. Help it grow. Blah, blah, blah. Do you want me to tell you a joke? You want a joke? My favorite joke. I've never told the same way twice. You're never going to look at me the same if I tell this joke. Okay. All right, I'll do it. <clears throat> I think I can do it. I haven't done it in a while. Uh, my friend Mike had an uncle, and this man could tell jokes. They were so dry and um, not funny traditionally, but they were so much fun to watch him tell them. I think that was actually what was good about it. It was the way he told them. So I have strived throughout my life, or strove, have I strived or strove? Hold on a second. Is strove a word I just made up in my head? No. Wait. Did I mean strived? All right, Google. Apparently I meant strived. Strove is not a word, although strove is. All right, ready? To exert yourself vigorously, try hard. He strove to make himself understood. But stroved, E-D, is not a word. It's strived. So... And then, wow, you can go deeper into this. Is it striven or or strived? I didn't even think of strived. I thought strove. Have striven 
is plural fect tense, whereas strove is past tense. Wait, pluper fect tense? Uh-oh, we've gotten past my eighth grade English education. The actual forms are to strive, strives, striving, strove, ooh, and striven. When strived is used instead of an authentic form of the word, it sometimes replaces the simple past strove, and other times it replaces the past participle striven. Anyway, I've tried really hard to mimic this man's um, ability to tell a story. I used to watch him in uh, large groups of people, and he could hold their attention, telling the seemingly dumbest jokes. And I, I, I realize now it was it was watching him tell it that was interesting. He was animated and had all this life in his face, and I was always very. Uh, impressed by his ability to do that. So let me see if I can remember the one joke that he used to tell. His name was Frank, by the way. And I knew him as Uncle Frank. He was my friend, Mike's uncle. Okay. So there's a farmer on, there's a farmer at his farm and he's outside working. And the fuller brush salesman pulls up in his car to try to sell brushes to the farmer. And the man gets out of his car and he, straightens his jacket and tightens his tie and fixes his hat and grabs his suitcase and walks very steadfastly to the farmer who's off in a field working. He's feeding the pigs. The man makes his way over to him. He says, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm here to speak to the lady of the house. I have these quality toilet brushes for sale, and I'd like to show them to you and your family. Please let me inside. I will clean your toilets to show you how well they work, and perhaps you will buy them. And the farmer's like, yeah, you know, we could use new brushes. So I guess we could do that. And, you know, I mean, I'd love to have you clean the toilets. So it seems like a win for me, even if I don't want the brush, right? The guy's like, absolutely, sir. There's no obligation to buy the brushes. I'll just come in and demonstrate them for you. So the farmer's like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And the brush salesman then catches a look at the pigs in the, in the pen and notices that one of the pigs has only three legs. And he says to the farmer, I see here, sir, that one of your pigs only has three legs. And the farmer says, oh, that pig is amazing. Can I tell you a story about this most amazing pig? And the brush salesman's like, sure, no problem. So they lean on the fence. And the farmer says, one time, years ago, my house caught fire in the middle of the night. And none of us woke up. We didn't notice. And the smoke was overwhelming, and we were certain to die. Well, this pig sees the house on fire. He leaps over this fence, runs across the property, makes his way to the house, is locked out, picks the lock, picks the lock with a stick he finds on the ground, comes inside, wakes my children, gets them out of the house, wakes my wife, can't wake me, picks me up and carries me to safety. As if that's not enough, the pig then went and fashioned a hose to the trough and put the fire out himself. Well, the brush salesman's like, oh my God, that's amazing. And the, and the farmer goes, sir, that is but the beginning of the story of this three-legged pig. So the, the brush salesman's like, well, you know, what else is there? Guy says, I'm out one day, I'm 
plowing the fields. My tractor breaks down. I get underneath of it to see if I can't fix it, and the tractor collapses on top of me, the weight of it pinning my leg to the ground. I was certain to die, calling for help. No one could hear me except this pig, who again leaps over the fence, makes his way a mile out to our fields, gets there, assesses the situation, fashions a fulcrum and a lever, lifts, lifts the tractor from my leg, pulls me to safety. And then, and I can't believe this happened, but I saw it with my own eyes, the pig set my fracture. Well, the brush salesman is just beside himself. He can't believe it. And he begins to gesture towards the farmer. And before he can even say anything, the farmer says, I know what you're going to say, but it's absolutely true. As a matter of fact, that pig delivered my second daughter, Petunia. It does the dishes at night and it keeps track of our planting schedule. Has quite the mind for numbers. Well, the brush salesman's like, I, I believe you. It's, it's astonishing. But that doesn't explain why the pig only has three legs. Well, the farmer goes, sir, I don't know where you're from, but around these parts, you don't eat a pig like that all at once. 